Are we waiting on Toby or are we getting into it? So Toby is not going to make it because it's okay. uh, New Year's over there for him. Oh. Um, and he is out celebrating, which I'm happy he's doing because he was like, I wonder if I should trade today. And I think like it was already like 7 a.m. Eastern time. I was like, dude, don't. It's time to party. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like if I trade and then I'm red when I should be going out, not yeah. necessarily to drink or party, but just to like live my life because it's, I don't know, Christmas or something. I always regret it, um, right. especially if I'm red, um, even though today was a good opportunity. But yeah, he won't be he won't be joining us now. OK, um, today was yeah, today was interesting. Yesterday was like really hot with GFAI. Um, it's crazy. been so April's been like somewhat hot so far. It's not bad. Um, it's been a good week for me as well. Besides Monday, it kind of started off pretty red, but then every other day was consistently um, green. Um, I don't think I started off red on Monday, but it was not a big green day. Um, well, I, I started off green and then I had like three or four triple tops and then I just, and then uh -huh. I had my descent into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, and I even made it back to break even. And then I kept trading again and went all the way back to back to like Monday. Break. Monday was tough. Yeah. I'm looking at my chart now. I was up. That's actually, tough. I can I can share my screen if we want to just get into it. Yeah. Oh. Let's 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 yeah. stop. Wait, I need to here we go. You gotta enable me. Gotta enable you're enabled. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for enabling me. <laughs> um so yeah, let's take a look. I don't I don't really like looking at my stats actually. I I just try to not pay attention to it. Um Monday was a little bit tough. It didn't start out super nicely. So I was like red 100 and then I was green like 220 and then I was red 400. It was BNRG that got me on Monday. Wow. You know what? If you if you cut your PL like when you're down 400, that's exactly how my PL was. I was at 200 multiple uh -huh. times, and then I went there, down 400. Yeah. I actually made it back to break even, but then I went back all the way down again. Very simple. Uh, it was it was a tough day. That's super frustrating when you yeah. when you make it back up and then you go back down. That's usually a good time to be like, it's just not happening today. Yeah. And that's not that big of a red day, anyways. No, it wasn't. It was um. This was all BNRG. I just got stopped out like three times with like 2,000 shares each time, something like that. Um, yeah, or maybe four times. So this was 2,000 shares, 1,800, 1,800, 1,500. Um, yeah, so it kept popping up um, uh, Tuesday and yesterday. And I was like, I am not interested in this at all. And I can pull up the chart in a second, but it traded just the same as it did on monday it was garbage mm. um but yeah this was bnrg and then i don't even remember what this was it uh i think it was gctk actually that pulled me out of the hole um and then i chopped around at the top i made my way almost up to 800 and then i just gave some back and i called it a day at 471 there um yeah that was monday not super clean um Tuesday, I traded perfectly. I was five for five on Lucy um, with one of those trades on. So this was a longer trade. Um, and one thing that I do, which 
definitely skews or affects my stats is if it is breaking a level, something like that, I'll just hold on to like 100 or 200 shares. There's no reason to sell all of it. And then it resets up and then I add back and then, you know, it keeps going. So throughout this whole move, I guess I traded like 20,000 shares or bought 20,000 shares for that overall trade before I, from the time that I opened and then closed the trade. Mm. There were 144 executions within that. That's yeah, crazy. So just kind of buying, selling, buying, selling, but leaving. Like yeah. And just, open. and just never actually closing out the position until, until there. Yeah. Um, were you able yeah. to size up like we were talking about last week and you, you were yeah. saying you wanted to work on your sizing? Yeah. I'm really thinking about that this week and I'm doing well. Um, I've been really thinking about that and trying to practice it as best as I can. Um, Lucy was like perfect trading for me. I was five out of five green trades uh, to here. Then I went to the gym and then in the afternoon I gave back 400 on it. Um, and then yesterday was all pretty much GFAI. Um, so that? yesterday was a really solid day for me. But yeah, I'm I'm really trying to practice and be specific and think about um like the position sizing that we were talking about. So if anyone missed last week, we were talking about exponential bet sizing and just kind of like the math behind that. And um it really impacted me, I guess, because you know, you see Ross doing it, and a lot of advanced traders do that, but I had never connected what is actually happening behind those trades um so i was like that makes a lot of sense um so yeah i, I think it's really helping my average win versus average loss my accuracy is still trash um down at 52 percent if i search just gfai it's 59 percent but um, yeah but th that's true accuracy is is lower than one would maybe think as like a because mm -hmm. it's similar strategy to Ross's or mine, uh, but your your average win average losers is really good, and that's probably why your accuracy is so low or like that not is, so low. Yeah. It's sixty percent. It's really not that bad. Um, but that risk reward, your risk reward is amazing. That's what I'm trying to say. It it uh, kind of never was that way until <laughs> just recently. I used to rely on having like sixty five seventy percent accuracy consistently yeah yeah same like if i filter for um just 2021 i think that that comes up to like 65 percent for the whole year uh yeah it's pretty oh, amazing that was gfai um yeah 65 yeah, percent for the whole year so my accuracy has dropped significantly but it's because i'm taking the position where i think it's right and if it doesn't go right away i'm out um and yeah. so yeah. yeah my risk reward has definitely improved a whole lot and uh, honestly i'm that's kind of what i want to see um because it really helps increase my confidence that i'm getting in at the right spot that has good risk reward and if it doesn't work i'm happy to just get out your hold time on your winners is really nice too. Well, and that's because I'm kind of kind of skewing the data with not fully closing out the positions. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that changes too um, with like different periods. Um, January definitely wasn't as hot. I bet that that hold time. Oh, well, that's because I was swinging Tesla. Um, yeah, that hold time goes down to one minute. Mm -hmm. So as the market has been kind of uh, holding up better lately, I've been able to hold on to those trades without closing them out fully. So um, yeah, trading's been going well for me lately. It's still not easy at all. Um, and like early on today, I recognized and I wrote out into chat, I was like, today is not as hot as yesterday. I'm being a little bit more careful and just trying to manage emotions and risk today. And mm. it ended up being a solid day, but not nearly as hot as yesterday was. So yeah. that's me. Yeah, I, I, I guess I can go to kind of follow up with that since we we're doing such similar stuff. Um, I had a, uh, I, I was also working on sizing uh, more like, like Colby was talking about, you know, even not just linearly, like, you know, could say A plus setup, let me do two X size or three X size. Um, compared to like a C or a B setup. Like I was, I was really trying to do like, okay, let, okay. You know, I'll do like a thousand shares on this kind of, you know, I don't know what this setup is, but like, let me get my feet wet kind of mentality. Uh, take my $20, $30 win loss. But then the second I saw something better, I would go right to like 5k size. And then I had some three, $400 winners. Uh, so that was really, really nice. Um, I did have some losers where it didn't work out, but then I didn't cut quick enough. I also traded a little bit of backside, which usually never ends well. So I still am lacking a little bit of the confidence that I used to have um, because I was trying to do so many different things at once that, again, that kind of threw me off a little bit, but that's fine. I learned a lot and I don't regret it. <clears throat> but yeah, I'm still kind of like in that, I have been calling it like a 4G mindset where it's like, get green, get going. And so I've, I've been having a hard time having really big green days because I don't really maximize. Like today, you could have you could have been trading till like 1130, you know? There was so many opportunities today. So stopping early today really limited the upside. But at the same time, I, I'm not beating myself too much about that just because I, I need to get a lot of green on the calendar again and just kind of get in the right flow. So it, it doesn't really bother me. But I, I do like seeing this momentum again. We're, we're really seeing moves that we used to see um, back in like, you know, 20, 2019, just like consistent stuff, 2020, maybe not as big, but, you know, we're getting multi-day runners. We're getting clean front sides that last 45 minutes, uh, so on and so forth. And I've really noticed where like, I don't even believe in anything I see. So <laughs> I'm a little bit more like skeptical, like overly skeptical. I, I remember Ross saying, to be a frontside momentum trader, you have to be like blindly optimistic that things are just going to work out. And if it doesn't, you just cut your losses. Um, but I'm missing that blindly optimistic a little bit where I'm like, ah, it's not going to break out. Boom, it breaks out 20%, pulls back. And I'm like, ah, it's not going to continue going. Next 30 minutes, it's just still going. I'm like sitting on the sidelines. So I've noticed myself yeah. doing a lot of that, which usually I never did. I never I never was like that. So I'm, I'm definitely in a little bit of a weird place myself. But I know it's like, it's just a bit of a phase and it's already, I feel like I don't want to jinx myself, knock on wood, but 
I feel like I was much deeper in the hole a couple of weeks, maybe like a month and a half ago. And I'm, I feel like hopefully I've bottomed down. I'm getting out of that hole mentally. So, yeah, it's funny that you talk about like the blind optimism. I was, um, on a, I was, I was talking with Ross just the other day about trading and, um, we were talking about exactly that. Um, you kind of have to be just like very optimistic about, about the market and, you know, you're buying, especially what he does, he buys high and sells higher. You have to be very optimistic to think that it's going to keep going. And, um, it's been harder in this slower market to like keep that up, but, uh, we, that's exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. It's, I, yeah. I, I don't know when I heard him say that. I think it was, I, I, in the beginning, I was watching so many of his videos. I still do, but, uh, I think it was one of his longer videos where he just was talking about that and it stuck to me. It stuck and yeah, it, it totally makes sense. You gotta, yeah, like you said, buy high, sell higher. And a lot of these tickers, I think my problem with CXAI today was the fact that it just didn't have any catalyst uh, or correct me if I'm wrong, but I was looking, I'll share my screen yeah. and I, I couldn't find anything. Uh, maybe CXI, CXAI was tough. It was hard for me to get a read on it because it has so much volume. Yeah. Um, tons of volume, right? So much volume that it made level two actually really hard to read. Uh, cause you would just see, and especially, so I have two time and sales up on my screen. I have one that's just filtered for any size going through over a hundred shares. And I have another filtered for anything over 2000 shares. Mm. Um, and my normal time and sales was like, not very helpful. Cause it was just flying. You couldn't even read it. Yeah. But, I, I filter for over 200. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, okay. You do the 2001 as well. That's, that's good. So you could really see those bigger orders coming through. Yeah, just like on some, I've seen a like a hundred ninety eight thousand share order go through in one chunk before. It just kind of tells you like what are the big market players doing. Yeah, it's let me see what's yeah, all sizes. Look at this, just a bunch of nonsense going through. Um, and if you change it to five k, probably won't be too busy at all. So you have the two k one. Yeah. yeah, CXAI was hard, but I, I did, so I started, like, I was I was green 20 bucks on it, then I was red, like, 70, and then I was green 100, then I was, like, flat, and now I'm finally up, like, 500-some on it, um, but what what kind of finally got me more into it and dialed into it was that it couldn't break down, and it kept curling back up, and I saw some big bids coming into it. Like uh, I saw a 120,000 share bid at one point. Um, and just the fact that it kept going, I was like, someone's buying this up. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. I, I was, I also noticed every time I had these flushes, these like total failed breakouts, it would just pop right back, right back up again. And it really did feel like there was an mm -hmm. accumulation going on. Yeah, that's a funny. huge sign. That's a huge and, Actually, you know, on a few of these flushes, because they happened like back to back a few times where it was so nasty. I mean, we're talking like full cell pressure and then just instantly pops back up. I was like, oh, man, Danny is definitely on that one because I knew you're, <laughs> you you love those false breakouts. <laughs> I It totally depends. Yeah, um, I missed a lot of them because it was so choppy and difficult. It was, yeah. Um, but especially around like the 1110 
candles where it started curling back up. That's what that was definitely a spot that I was in and watching. Um, that that's where point. I went from like like up fifty on it to up five hundred in that area. Yeah, I to be honest, I felt like at one point I was overstaying my welcome, but man, yeah, this this market was really good today. It's unusual that we have so much action. I mean, we even had a pretty busy pre-market. Uh, and then we had like an hour consolidation, but still like there was there was opportunity all throughout the day, which is where oh, Russell's yeah. up 1.2%. So there we have it. There you yeah. go. Yeah, I came in and my morning always starts off with like, I get right out of bed. I come up to my desk. I open up my computers. I look at the scanners. If anything is good on the gap scanner, or the gainers, but mostly I pop open Ross and I see how he's doing on the day. And that's kind <laughs> of a good barometer for me to just, just see what's going on. How's he doing? The Ross um, indicator. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. But I saw that he, he, um, he was up like 5,000 some on GFAI, but down like a thousand and 3,000 on another thing or two. And I was like, it looks, and then I looked at the GFAI chart that's this morning from pre-market and I was like, this doesn't look like a hot day. Mm. Yeah. But somehow it actually turned out pretty okay. Arc is arc mm -hmm. is slowly slugging along as well. Yeah, a lot of the indexes um, that are quite bullish indicate a bullish market are are up quite a bit. Um, and then the VIX is down, which is usually a good sign. Mm. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I actually was not so focused today so much on the indexes. I was analyzing it a little bit this morning, but it's changed so much since then. Um, mm -hmm. I might have to start doing a little bit more of like midday uh breaks not like totally stop but like okay what's what's everything doing let me take a step back again get a little bit of a bird's eye view of the market of my trading of my maybe my feelings am i a little exhausted am i being a little tricky yeah. just i wonder if there's a good system to set up for that <laughs> that's why i try to go to the gym <laughs> i try you, to get you, out do you trade after the gym it depends. Um, like lately, I've been trying not to. Monday, I did and it didn't pay off. Yesterday, I did and it did pay off. So, um, like, I, 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 I sort of made a new rule for myself after Monday. I was a hundred percent accuracy on Lucy until until I gave some back in the afternoon. I was like, if I had a really solid morning and I'm sitting at that good of accuracy and that good of trading for the morning, I should just not trade the rest of the day. Um, but usually like my trading in general is very, um, I, I give myself a lot of leeway to trade something if I think that it looks like it is worth trading. So um, it just depends on the day, but we really haven't been seeing a hot power hour like at all in the mm. last at least three or four months. Yeah, I'm not a power hour trading myself. Um, I just find the time to be too bad for me. But even yeah. if I was in the States, I don't know if I'd want to be a power hour trader either. It's just like, yeah. you got lunch. Eastern time. Yeah, you're just, yeah, I don't know. you. It's like the whole it's day. It's like a different market. Yeah, it's totally yeah. different. Totally different. It's like late in the day. 
it it's late you're like you're trying to get ready you should, to close up shop maybe like think about dinner like you don't want to yeah. like make that big red trade right right before. yeah i actually don't know any power hour traders that like do it for, like that's their priority i know people that occasionally mm -hmm. trade power hour but not like like me i i, I make most of my profits pre-market you know like i'm a pretty clearly pre-market trader in that regard but i don't know any power hour traders in that regard same not lately, like not even last year, I think. I don't think it was really even reliable. Um, there, yeah, was, there was a period where like a week or two power hour was hot. I can't remember when, <laughs> I think it was like last August maybe. <laughs> um, but aside from that, it was like 2021 was the last time that power hour was consistent. Yeah. For me, it's 12 to 1 p.m., which is not that bad. Um, like if I'm around, I'm happy to trade if something's moving but like even east coast it's three to four p.m it's like end of day at that point if i take a loss at like 12 or 1 p.m i have plenty of day left to like do something else that kind of thing but um yeah i that's something that i um have been doing doing my best to kind of avoid more lately especially if I traded well in the morning mm. just to kind of call it yeah because like why not just lock up those gains be happy with the day probably the best opportunity for good trading is the next day anyways yeah that's true it goes a little bit like what we talked about if you want to make more money use bigger size don't trade longer right that's a right common theme we we always discuss mm -hmm. yeah use yeah. bigger size on your better on on the trades you're really confident in probably in the morning yeah probably in the morning get more follow through mm -hmm. less chance of maybe offerings um i still can't get over your shirt it's too good <laughs> speaking of offerings though we've seen so many offerings in the last like two weeks it's crazy during regular market hours yeah yeah we have uh not so much a pre-market we've had a few as well um those always freak me out especially like at like around like 9 15 or something the stock just goes when i'm like ah <laughs> yeah was I, it when oncs the other day i think pull it up i'll look at GCTK that ctk had an offering yesterday after hours um oncs was regular market hours the other day i'm pretty sure actually uh was it CYTO that had one the other morning or it just had a flush? Um, let me share my screen. First but, here, yeah. one CS. Yeah, this one was a midday. Yep, that was nasty. Very nasty. Look at that. There was GMVD like two weeks ago, 10 minutes after the market open. I got semi-caught in that one. I didn't actually get caught in the halt or in the major flush, but I did get caught in the initial part of the flush and I just bailed and then it turned out to be an offering. I was like, good thing I cut that. My God, that is disgusting. And it's really upsetting because it's actually a pretty yeah. clean everything. The volumes there, mm -hmm. it was up. How much was it up? It's 80%. I mean, there's no clear indication besides maybe checking the the files if there's an S um, shelf yeah. registration or something. But like, yeah. that's disgusting. <laughs> It is disgusting. I agree. And people ask me in the sessions that I teach and host, um, 
like, how do you avoid that? How do you not get caught in an offering? I'm like, well, you have a couple options. You can look at the BAMSEC filings for every single company that you're about to trade and see if they have an S3 filing and not trade them. Um, like that would be the, the, probably the only way to definitely not get caught in an offering. Yeah, the most um, for sure. But I've only seen regular market hour offerings like that. I mean, in the last two weeks, I've seen it probably more than even in the last two years. It's been kind of crazy. Um, so it's definitely not a regular occurrence. And even if you get caught in it, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything to like jinx myself, anything like that, but mm -hmm. it, it hurt. It hurts less to take a loss on that kind of thing. That's just kind of like a freak accident and nothing that you can really control than just taking like paper cuts over and over or just trading badly. It's like, that wasn't really your fault. So, you know, just move on. It's an anomaly. Yeah. You, yeah. I agree. You can't really even plan for these things because if they happen, yeah. they happen. And yeah. It's, yeah, it's such, it's such a freak accident. I think the only thing with GMVD that would throw me off is the price action on the daily because it had this mm -hmm. kind of strong move here and then it sells it off again and then it's back up. This is a really weird price action. That's It's quite rare that you would trade that kind of price action yeah. on the daily. But yeah, then again, you're probably focused on the one minute. You see it pop up on the scanner. You're like, yeah. Like, I don't know if that's going to keep you away from trading it. Look at CXAI. Uh hmm. CXAI doing? It's it's coming back. If Toby yeah. was here, he'd probably be trading it. We'd we'd hear it go off. Um CXAI needs to have like a five-minute candle close above five to have to look like it has like any sort of strength, I think. Because it had such a hard rejection it didn't hold five did it have yeah it didn't it didn't really even have a single candle legitimately close above five five like, like a five minute candle i mean even on the one minute it had the the high of day candle that hit 515 it closed at um 502 or so 504 but the next candle opened at like 506 and closed at 480 so like i don't really count that it's yeah it's it doesn't hold exactly. yeah so that's that's the place to break who knows maybe tomorrow we're gonna wake up and see it at eight dollars or so <laughs> you just never know maybe today maybe today know. yeah maybe it could be it uh it's 14 million shares outstanding so it has that potential recent ipo without a catalyst i don't know this is a real head scratcher but I think people are waking up like, you you know, there's a little bit more volume and small caps lately. And it's, it's quite yeah. exciting. I really like it. <laughs> it's waking me up again. Right. Manoli made a good point the other morning when uh, we were looking at the gap scanner and it was like the top five or six of them were super low float and had a good, good amount of volume. It's like, we haven't seen a scanner that looked like that in a while. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Open it up and you see a few like over a hundred percent. It's like, whoa. Oh. The good old days. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, you guys should like hit me up when that happens because that just is going to be a signal that the spy is going to be impossible to trade because this week is <laughs> terrible for the spy. 
Dude, that's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah. I like whenever the spy is moving too much, I tend to notice the small caps are really bad. And like, I always like it the most when it looks like large caps are like a, a lake, like a glass clear mm. lake. Then I'm like, all right, everyone's going to be looking for that one ticker yeah. that's popping out. Small caps. If, if the SPY is up 3%, then somehow people don't pay attention to small caps anymore. Um, there is probably not that much overlap between people who trade large caps and small caps. Um, it makes I me kind the of same think about way, it. but then like when it actually happens, when the person like the SPY is up a lot, then I'm like, why are the, yeah. Yeah. But I, I yeah, do feel it's... the same. I, I do feel the same. Although I switch, I switch sometimes. Like if I see a good front side setup on whatever large cap, I'll go for it even mm -hmm. though I'm primarily a small, small cap trader. So. Yeah, same here. Um, I mean, even to this day, Tesla is still my number one ticker as far as profit. Wow. Um, That's cool. Because I did really well on it back in like 2020, something like that. I, I'm up like 20,000-ish on Tesla on all of the trading I've ever done on it. So like- Were those swing trades? Or huh? Were those swing trades? Uh, a couple of them, but mostly just like scalping um, intraday type moves. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, uh, I, you know, I'm not up 18 or 20,000 on a single small small cap ticker yet. I'll get there. But um, yeah, a lot of those large caps like uh, Tesla, Upstart, even GameStop are some of my biggest single ticker earnings. That's interesting. Yeah, there, there is so much multi-day potential on those. I just noticed mm -hmm. that Tesla actually IPO'd and went higher consistently. I feel like that is so rare. <laughs> like every other stock, yeah. like, I mean, think about coin, for example, or Oof. I don't know, a lot of these SPACs, they're all oversubscribed and they basically all just go in one direction. And that mm -hmm. is down um yeah yeah so that's actually kind of cool i mean like or like oatly um i mean classic example space this is classic spac that just went you know parabolic but then to neverland so it's like I lost really so much money on that ticker uh yeah i made space. a lot but then i gave back yeah. quite a bit somewhere i think it was my other account but it's not loading right now but i did trade it primarily in this account fucking yeah. chamath man I lost that a fucker. lot of clove. That was my big loser. I yeah, had, yeah. I bought it somewhere here and then sold somewhere here. It was like a proper fifty percent loser because I was. It was going to be like an investment, and then I'm like, mm, this thing is still trending down. I'm cutting it. Dude, Chamath is the richest pump and dumper of all time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's he's he's been pumping and dumping pretty hard. Although he I've, accumulated clove somewhere more in this area. So he thought it was going to bottom out too, but I don't know. The Lance Breitstein thinks he's like a straight up like charlatan. He has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. Cause like as a, as a day trader, it's very different than as an investor. So it, it's two totally different niches. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if he's looking to hold for like five, 10 years and maybe rebuild a company up, it has nothing to do with kind of what we're trying to do in terms of mm -hmm. actually trading the stock. Right. Yeah, totally different things.
Colby, you, uh, do you want to share what you've been, or Danny, I, I didn't, I don't know if you were talking, I didn't want to cut you off or <laughs> you guys. No. Um, sure. Nice. Not really. This week has been terrible, but uh, you guys were talking about, um, you see this Twitter screen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys were talking about like the offerings and I follow this one guy on mm-hmm. Twitter. Actually, I don't even follow him. I'm follow him. But he uh, trades small caps and he like has been catching these offerings somehow. Like, look at this right here. He shorted this like at the very last second right before oh. an offering. And, and I, I commented on this and I was like, I don't remember what I said. Something like, can you explain to me how you knew this was going to happen? Uh, like, I'm curious. It seems like I'm not saying that this is luck. Like luck has a aspect in every trade we take, but seems a little bit lucky. And he like commented back and said, yeah, it was just luck or something like being an asshole back to me. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. I'm just genuinely curious. Like how the fuck did you know they were going to do an offering at that second? But he caught another one like a couple of days later. And I was like, well, he must know something that I don't fucking know because this guy's catching offerings like crazy. But, yeah, that's um, not like a normal thing for a retail trader to be doing. No. Yeah, it doesn't really make too much sense. Is he trying to sell a course or something too? Uh, he's actually <laughs> trying to sell indicators. Let's see, here's another one. Yeah. Uh, selling the indicators. That's that's the big one. Yeah, yeah. dude, that's but, yeah for real. Offering indicator. <laughs> no, I don't. He's he's followed by Jack Kellogg, so maybe that's. It's probably a bad uh, reason to like trust him because FTX was also followed by uh, <laughs> a bunch of people. So let's just not start yeah. there. I was just going to like this week has been tough for me mentally. Like I feel <clears throat> um, like, as you guys know, I'm basically using the smallest possible size that I can because I was listening to a podcast from Mike Bellafiore. He is the dude that co-owns SMB Capital with Steven Spencer. And he was saying that like every trader has like three stages and the first one's consistency. Second one is sizing. And the third one is breadth and like expressing your edge in, in different ways in the market. And he said that like the problem, which is obviously it's pretty obvious to us, but the problem is that most people are in the wrong stage. Like they're worried about sizing like way before they have consistency. And mm-hmm. for me, like consistency is tricky because I feel like the spy doesn't give you that many opportunities. So it's, it's like, I can have streaks of gre- of green and green and red um, all the time. Like I'll have like a four day win streak and then I'll have like a four day losing streak. And it's just like, I don't really get that many chances to take that many trades. So for me, like, I don't know whenever I'm going to be at the point where I'm like, consider myself fully consistent. Like I, you know, I ha- I'm green every month, but at the same time, it's not enough where I'm like, it's not like I'm up a hundred points a month total. I'm only up like, 40 points a month usually, which is not that much, but, um, yeah. And like, I know a lot of people that are sizing right now and they are like, they're red every month. And I'm like, why the fuck are you sizing? Why do you care about your size if you're not even consistent first? And like the, the, the most important parts of consistency, this is all from, I literally stole this straight from Mike Bellafiore. So he was saying like, do you have a daily process? Do you understand the setups that you trade the best? Um, are you making sure that you trade them as much as you possibly can do you understand the setup so you don't trade the best are you trying to find ways to trade those as minimally as possible do you journal your trades and review your statistics and he wrote like the book called the playbook and i never read it but this guy on reddit was like basically lining out like the stuff that happens in that book and i thought it was really cool and he was uh i'll read this little excerpt from it and he says 
I wrote the playbook to give people a way to categorize their favorite setups, to understand what they are, and to be able to discern the variables specifically. If I tap you on the shoulder and I ask what trade are you in, and you tell me you love it, you need to then be able to tell me immediately the variables of the trade and why you loved it. If you can't do that, that is not a particular, particularly sustainable style as a trader. Lots of people say, I kind of know when I see it or when I feel it. No, you don't. That sentence right there is huge because there's so many people um, that will just be like, oh, I got short here because one reason we broke the ADMA or I got short here because I just knew this was going to happen. No, the fuck you don't. Okay. You don't. That is a stupid reason to get into a trade because you just feel something. I don't know. <laughs> That's maybe, a stupid maybe reason. Yeah. Um, as you get more advanced with trading, I definitely think that there is a bit of a feel to it, but it's because of certain specific things that you're seeing happening, either on the level two, the time and sales, price action. Yeah. So like if you can send me a calendar chart where you're green the whole month and huh? you're saying, I, if you could send me a calendar chart that yeah. you're green all month and it's like, I feel the trade, then okay, yeah. I will listen to you. You know, but like well, the people that would say that are maybe people that don't even have consistency yet, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like when, when you're, when you are consistent and very green like that consistently, like a lot of the trades that I take, I'm like this, I feel like this is the right spot, um, that kind of thing. But my track record supports it at this point. And I, I feel like it's the right spot because of some sort of pattern recognition of what I'm seeing happening in the chart or, Mm -hmm. on the stock and the price action that kind of thing um so there's i think for more advanced traders there's definitely some feel and like flow to good trading but it's because of specific things that are happening that you could articulate either yeah. at the moment maybe or after at least sometimes that feeling i could just add to that i totally agree with everything you said danny but or not but but on top of that um, sometimes what I even feel is not even the, the price action itself, or maybe it is because there's like a flag setting up and I'm like, ah, oh, it's extended, but I'm like, I don't even have that much FOMO yet. And I know when it breaks out, I'm going to have a lot more FOMO. So because of that lack of FOMO right now, I'm actually going to take this trade because I know I'm going to, how I'm going to feel in the future. Um, because in the future, if I don't take this trade, I'm going to have so much FOMO that I'm actually going to top take this one. I'm going to get flushed on. So I'd rather right now I'm a little fearful. So let me actually buy it when I'm fearful. So sometimes That's I trade interesting purely point. in a way on, on emotions. And sometimes I do my best trading like that, where I really get in the flow and I really trade my emotions, but I don't trade. Oh, obviously I trade the price action. I'm not going to trade a ticker that's just going backside, uh, in long buys. Right. My, but my point is like. Yeah, there's a maybe a flag forming, and I'm like, if I if I notice that I'm very fearful right now, that actually might push me over the edge to actually take that trade because I know when it does break out, I'll have FOMO, and that's when other people are going to be buying it. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that you trade based on your feelings like that. I was actually watching your video the other day about um, the win that you had. I forget on which stock, but. Um, it was a solid win and it was, it was interesting seeing how you trade, basically how you're sizing in to support, which is, yeah. you know, just a little different than how I trade. Yeah. That's interesting to see. It's a, yeah, it is funny how, how different all of us trade in a way. Like when I watch Tom yeah. or, or, um, 
Yeah, really, really anybody. I mean, I'm like, wow, that's just such just so crazy. Because uh, yeah. I don't use market orders almost ever. I almost only use limit orders. Sometimes if I really want to get in, I'll just put put the limit order above where the mm-hmm. price is. So technically, it is a, a market order, um, but mm-hmm. still with a limit. Um, but I know that Tom, for example, he'll just just he'll just go in with market order hotkeys all the time and sell with market order hotkeys, and it works really well for him. So. We're all being very similar, but in a way, totally different at the same time in terms of execution. Exactly. Yeah, that's a huge point for like any individual learning to trade or who's successful in trading. Like uh, it's it would be really, really surprising if you trade exactly like somebody else who is successful or even similar to you. There's another guy in the room. Max, who we trade very similar. We we see the same things. We trade the same setups, um, but we we execute differently. Um, and with market orders and limit orders, I pretty much exclusively used limit orders until I started focusing a little bit more on like zones and range rather than like specific penny breakout and stops. Um, and now, especially with something that I think is going to make a big move, I will wait for like a dip to happen, something like that. And then 95% of the time I'm getting in with a market order, unless it's like a huge spread that doesn't tighten up, then I'll try to buy with an offset above the bid. Um, but otherwise I'm marketing in and out almost always, um, I do scale out just under the ask. So I'll like sell partial position with an offset just under the ask as it's moving higher. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing a combination of that and selling partial market orders just to make sure that I get filled, especially with a lot of false breakouts happening lately. I'm like, if I, if my order to get filled just under the ask doesn't get filled, I definitely need to at least get something out. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask about that, but yeah, you answered uh, mm-hmm. I guess Colby, sorry. I, hopefully, we didn't go on too much of the tangent just now. No, I mean it, it's it's cool because I was gonna say that this is kind of like you have to remember that this guy owns a prop firm, so for him, like, how do I say this the right way? He's trying to maximize the potential of every single one of his traders to the absolute fullest extent. Yeah, and yeah. that's kind of where it breaks off. Like retail, we there, like I guarantee you, like almost the majority of retail I would say is probably based on like a decent level of like intuition and feel. And like, that's what discretionary trading is all about. Like you're kind of, you know, taking loss after loss after loss for years and years and years, you learn how to lose less and less. And then eventually you're green. And then we don't really have like these certain like variables that go into every single trade we do in our head, but it's not like written down. It's not like put into a program. It's not, we're not making Mm -hmm. algorithms about it. Whereas in a prop firm, they're trying to just take a person and turn them into like a robot basically and say like, how do I maximize the amount of money that you can make? And I think that's Mm -hmm. something that we could probably adopt a little bit as retail, because like, if you think about it, how are you supposed to really know exactly whenever you have like an A plus setup? If you're not constantly every single day, if you see one of those, you're not doing something like this where you're like, you know, this is just like a little template, but he's writing down like, what's the bigger picture? So this is for a trade setup. Let's say you want to go long on CPI day 
because of XYZ. You have like a market a, a market analysis with with a big picture idea. You have the strategy um, where you're describing like the setup. You have the stock selection, intraday fundamentals, technical analysis, whatever, trade management, technology. And then this is like the review part of it. And I think that this is something that I want to start working on a lot more where mm-hmm. every trade I take, I want to be able to like identify what was that trade? What were the factors that led to that trade being successful? What were the factors that might mean this trade is not as, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be, or, yeah. you know, just, just things like that, because these prop traders, like they're, I mean, this guy has like 10 to 15 people that he has under him that make like eight figures a fucking year. Like it's yeah. ridiculous. I mean, and these guys, they all work together. So it's like, they have like, they're all sitting in the same room. They all talk to each other in the morning. They're talking to each other intraday. They're talking to each other at the end of the day. They're reviewing together at the end of the day. They have like weekly discussions on what happened this week, monthly discussions, like, you know, in a lot of ways, like I'm really jealous of the people that get to work for prop firms because I feel like, you know, they have unlimited resources and they all work as like a team. And, you know, it's hard for me. Like I have a couple of people that trade large caps that I talk to regularly, but I can't find anyone really that will, like, I want someone to do this same stuff as me and then be talking to me about it. And we can discuss yeah. like all of these ideas and these trades, but it's hard to find <clears throat> you know, people that want to spend the time to like create a playbook or like go make like reviews that are extensive and, you know, it's just having it's a, tricky. Having a community, like a solid community that's committed to learning and like really focused on getting better is so important. Like when I started trading, <laughs> the first community that I found, I was, um, I was on YouTube and um, this guy was streaming trade ideas scanners live that was how i was using scanners like the most janky way that you could be using scanners was but that zendu no stocks rocks oh. <laughs> um but it had obviously it had like a live chat on it and that yeah. was my first community and that was kind of when i realized the importance of it because mm-hmm. it can be pretty isolating to have so much drive to get better at this thing that is not very common for people to be doing and it's uh, super common for everyone that's doing it to be someone who is going to size up before they're consistent or they're going to be like taking yeah. a trade and showing everyone their like gains and then saying like oh like how'd you what was that tra-? like how did you get that trade and they're like right you know I, fe- I felt it and you're like oh that's fucking helpful that's very helpful yeah i'm glad that you felt that way and uh yeah you know yeah, following following other traders on on social media, I found not very helpful unless I specifically know them or I've been kind of in communication with them over a longer period of time. Kind of like you guys, like I'll look at your trades and I'll understand a little mm-hmm. bit more behind why you guys took it because I know your guys' style, and then then it actually becomes somewhat beneficial. But if I just see someone's random picture on social media, yeah, first of all, it it could be. I mean, there's so much fraud in this industry that I feel like I can't trust most things I see, but yeah. yeah, Then at the same time, even if it is a valid person, which, you know, it probably is to some extent, like if, I don't know, for whatever reason, like I still might not be able to get a lesson out of that because they're not going to explain their whole process. So then it becomes still unhelpful. It's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to really 
like follow and try to emulate another trader, even when you understand their strategy and all of that. Um, like there are so many great traders in the warrior community and I see their call outs and they make a lot of money. Um, but like when I try to follow their strategy, obviously I don't do as well. And so basically what it's taught me as I am a successful trader is just to like stay in my own lane and I know what I'm doing. I know what makes me money. Yeah. And it's a little bit different than what makes someone else money. And that's totally okay and important to recognize. I think it's super helpful, like you just said, to see what other good traders are seeing and try to and try to learn from that. And then when you're doing that, you'll kind of fall into your own strategy and what works for you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like even these prop firms, like they make all of their students trade everything at first. Yeah. And then they just look at the stats and they're like, okay, well, you're really good right. at trading like fucking soybean futures. So like go <laughs> trade that and figure out a strategy and then they'll make them write a playbook for it. And then, you know, yeah. Because they have the resources to take on those losses while they're building really successful traders because that's their process. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that they make them trade all sorts of stuff first. Is there a reason for that or? Well, the, he always says that like every trader has a personality and pretty much everything mm -hmm. we just said, you know, and, you know, even me, like I, whenever, I mean, I, this is not uncommon, but like when I traded small caps, it seemed like it was so stressful to me. Like I, you know, I'm being in and out so fast. It seemed like a lot of my wins were even just straight up luck because I just caught the front side at the right time in the right second. And uh, a lot of trading is luck, but I know that like whenever I would do that, my heart just beats so fast, even with super mm -hmm. small size. It's just like, a, it's just a stressful thing for me to do. And then same with large caps. Like last year, me and my friends, we were all trading like 35 times a day and I'd be in and out of NVIDIA like a hundred times. And uh and then eventually I would short the whole front side and then I'd finally catch the top and I'd make my money back basically end the day break even. I would get to max loss, make it all back and be break even. And I'd be shorting the front side way too much. And then over time I realized like, what if I just wait for the backside to start? And like, yes, I'll be a little bit late to the party, but I'll at least not be in a huge drawdown before I get into that trade. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not in a huge drawdown, I can hold that trade for a big move instead of trying to sell it the second I get back to break even on the day. Yeah. So for the last year, that's pretty much all I've been trying to do is like identify when the trend is going to start, get in as early as possible and hold that position for as long as possible. And a lot of my friends like, like guns, he doesn't do that at all. Like yesterday he shorted a, a move that was a 10 point drop. So it, the spy dropped 10 points on the futures, which, you know, is crazy. First of all, it dropped in one minute and he shorted it at the very bottom and it dropped another nine points. And, um, like I said to him, I was like, that's cool. You made money and all that, but I just don't like, I think that's a terrible trade because you shorted <laughs> basically at the low of day after a 10 point yeah. move. And it's like, if you do that a hundred times, you're going to get fucking destroyed every other time you ever try to do that. So, mm -hmm. but he's also like, that's kind of his style. Like he likes to chase moves kind of, and uh, like whenever it works for him, it works, but and then we all talk about our own styles to each other and he'll try to do something that like I'm doing where he's like holding for a while and he hates it. And it's like, you know, that's just, that's just the difference in personalities, but yeah, I don't know.
I wonder if uh, yeah. those those prop firms, those big traders that have a lot of capital, I wonder if they like we're looking at a small cap, highly liquid stock that it's going up. I wonder if they just take turns marketing out of their positions and that's what causes those drops. They're just <laughs> like, all right, your turn. You get your There's definitely sketchy prop out. firms like that. Yeah. 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 Well, definitely. I mean, they they have to get out of position somehow. Mm-hmm. Like the SMB capital one, they're they're all doing like discretionary prop trading basically, where they're you know using like the firm's proprietary technology, like scanners right. and like algorithms and stuff like that to see where momentum is. And then they find their own little niche and they just maximize the fuck out of it by doing all of the math that we talked about last week. Like these guys, you know, they'll take like a million shares into some crazy massive move on the spy and crush it because they that's like their whole thing is maximizing everything but yeah yeah i like that if if you're winning size in right mm-hmm. that shit is so hard though like i was this week i'm trying to like the thing that i've been doing is like i'm trying to like list out all the reasons why um like a trade should work like on monday i had a decent little like this is straight up a trend reversal which is super hard to do but I got like a nice nine point move off the lows on the spy and like it moved way higher, but I'm fine with that. Like that's a good little day trade. Yeah. And clean. I'm trying to like, like list out all of the reasons why, you know, Jesus Christ, <laughs> when I push control, I got this new thing called Epic pens and you can like draw on your screen and it's dope. But every time I push control, O, it like opens up my files and that's my hockey. But, uh, I try to, I'm trying to list out like all the reasons why something should work. And like I did this the next day, intraday, well, actually it was yesterday on CPI day. And I was trying to list out things like during the day of like what could happen and all this stuff. And I would have like four reasons to be bullish and four reasons to be bearish. And it was like super rangy. And I was like, I guess if I do take a trade, I shouldn't be using big size because I don't have like, if I have 10 reasons to be bullish and zero to be bearish, then that's probably going to be a good time to get in for a trend and use bigger size and start doing the exponential bet sizing. But like, as you can see, like right here, I fucking, I shorted this and I stopped out uh, two ticks from the top. So futures, they move in 25 cent increments. So <laughs> that was two 25 cent increment ticks to the top. And then this was a 30 point move lower that I completely missed out on. And then it was funny because when I missed this trade, I was like, ah, fuck. And I got angry because I, I took two trades back to back that were the same trade thesis. I overmanaged the trade. And I took basically double the loss when I could have just got in one time, risked twice as much, and I could have just held the whole trade in the first place. So I was angry at that, and I went on a walk because I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to try to get my mindset right today. If I do, if I fuck something up, I'm just going to go on a walk for ten minutes." Go on a walk, and I come back and I see this huge move lower, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I went on a walk, and it made it worse because I could have gotten in like there was a yeah. two minute pull up like right here, and that was like a perfect place to go to get back in for a short. And I didn't do it because I was gone. So I was like, damn, I went on a walk and it made me worse. And then I uh, ended up over trading this shit and just losing like more money than I needed to. But uh, uh, frustrating. Yeah, it was just terrible. Like this is the whole thing about large caps. Like if you look at this day, like you get you get like two chances total. Like this short happened. Like this is the market open. Whoa, that's way bigger. Yeah. This is the market open. Yeah, there we go. Like it was like right here, you know, and uh, 
like you're not, I don't short the open really. So when it pulls up, like this is pretty much the only chance you get for like a clean move. And then right when it finds its bottom, like look at this slow grinding move higher. Like this is like impossible to trade. And because uh, you're basically buying like the low of day, why the fuck would you just buy the low of day hoping that it's going to bounce up this much? Right. And the reason why is because right here, because we're we in a FOMC, pretty much. But like right here, we had uh, the Fed minutes come out. So the yeah. Fed basically said all their whatever their opinions on inflation and the economy and all that stuff. And I know <laughs> to not trade whenever there's information coming out that's going to affect the market because like. I said this in my recap yesterday. Like, if you were sitting in an auction somewhere, and the and the auctioneer guy's like, "Hey, you know, in 25 minutes, there's a 50% chance that we're gonna have an 80% off sale." Okay, would you buy something? No, you're gonna wait 25 minutes and see if they have an 80% off sale. So, like, that's that's what the market does with news too. Because whenever news comes out, no one knows what it's gonna be. So everyone that's in an institution, they pull out of the market and they just wait. Because why would you buy the market right now if there's gonna be a 2% sale on the spy in the next 30 minutes, right? So I'm trading like all this chop right here whenever the real move was just like waiting for them to talk. And then it just flushes down back through low of day. So I don't know. It's just tricky. And like, I've just wrote this little thing too. Like you can either have like a growth mindset in trading or you can have like a fixed mindset. And this is from Carol Dweck. I forget what book she wrote. She wrote. It's probably called growth mindset, but uh <laughs> Like obviously a fixed mindset is you, you, you have an assumption that your intelligence and your abilities just stay the same and are not changing over yeah. time, which is obviously stupid. Like, why would anyone ever think that that's just not possible. And then a growth mindset is that you understand that like your abilities and intelligence are developed through effort. And like, there's so many benefits of knowing that like, if you put in effort, you will grow no matter what, like you You'll stay open to any new possibilities in trading. Like if if large caps dry up, I will trade small caps if they get hot again because like that's what you would do if you had a growth mindset. You have resilience because if you fuck up, that is basically like every time you mess up in trading or you take a big loss or you know you misexecute a trade that you were correct on, like that is an opportunity for you to see a crack in your system, right? Like yeah. I'll have four days in a row where I'm green, and on the fifth day I'll lose a shit ton of money, and it's like. That is an opportunity for me to spend the rest of my day looking at that and saying, why is my system wrong here, but it was right for the last four days? Yeah. And like, if you don't look at the market like that, then you're just kind of screwed because how are you ever supposed to learn from anything? Yeah. You know? Um, Jocko. I don't know if you guys know yep. of or follow Jocko Willink. Um, he has a video on YouTube where he's talking about exactly that, how I think it's called good, something like that. But he's just talking about like shit gets thrown at you. You just say good and move on. It's something that you get to deal with and learn from and grow from. But that's definitely it. Like um, when I was talking with Ross the other day, one of the things he asked me, we were doing like an interview. He asked me, um, what are some of the traits that you think make for a successful trader? And my first one was resilience because you're going to get knocked down. and unless you get back up every single time you get knocked down, you will not be successful if you let it keep you down instead of learning from it or getting better or figuring it out. You have to get up every single time. Mm -hmm. And even that, that applies to like when you're green, like just because you're green doesn't mean go fucking have a party, right? Like yeah. it's still time to work. Like whenever you're done, yeah. you still should review those trades understand why they worked like maybe some of those trades were, were luck you know like 
identify that, see all the yeah. problems that you have every single day. And then don't just identify the problems, identify a solution to the problem, because it doesn't matter if you identify a problem, if you have no way to fix it. Yeah. Like I had a really solid green day yesterday. And then when I was going to bed and that kind of stuff, I was thinking about today and I was like, you know, anything could happen tomorrow. And I, I forget well, maybe we were talking about it last week, how it makes it kind of hard to like really savor and enjoy the wins. You have to be just like really disconnected from it. It's great that I had a great day yesterday, but who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I could have a small red day, bigger red day, or I could have an even better day. I have no idea. So my job is to come in at zero every day, no matter what happened yesterday or on the previous trade. Yeah, I agree. I can't celebrate my green days. Otherwise, my red days, I would just be too depressed. So <laughs> like green days are like, all right, nice. I could continue my life, like my normal life, uh, just right. going forward. But like red days, I just try to treat myself. I'm like, ah, yeah. like, it's also fine. You know, what What did I learn yeah. today that will make me a better trader? So mm -hmm. I, I've yeah. talked about that in some of my sessions. Um, somebody had just taken a big loss and they're like, what do I do? And I was like, just be good to yourself. Like if you're going to beat yourself up when you have a red day, it's going to be a really, really hard and sad career for you. <laughs> yeah. That's super and the next true. day you're going to see a good setup and you're not going to take it because you have no confidence. Yeah. 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 The lack of confidence thing can is, is dangerous as a trader because you need, mm -hmm. you don't want to have overconfidence obviously, but you need like, fairly high amount of confidence it's going to work otherwise yeah. um you're, you're just you're always going to miss pulling that trigger when you should i heard yeah. some really cool thing from uh i forget who said it but he was saying like you should always imagine yourself as like the the best version that you possibly could be so let's say like in the future all of us are making a million dollars a month okay like that's that would be crazy right imagine that's you right now and you're able to look back in time and you get a glimpse of the steps you had to take to get to that point. And like you see today, oh, I'm, I've read, well, what would you do? What would you have to do in that red scenario to be that trader in the future? Um, yeah. I That's a really good cool. thought. Yeah. I like that. I, I feel like I do that with other things in my life where I look back and I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, like, you know, if I did that, then, you know, mm -hmm it would have been a really good decision. And I, I do find myself thinking right now that exact thing, like what, what would Alex in three years or something or five years tell myself? Um, it's always harder to do it in the present, obviously, but sometimes there are those things where you've, you've already thought about, mm, this could probably change and you just haven't really pulled the trigger on it yet. And sometimes that's all it takes. Just make that commitment. Mm -hmm. yeah like sizing like we all know those a plus setups just 8x your size you know why are you not doing it just because you haven't done it before you see that so much where like once somebody has a two thousand dollar day or their first thousand dollar day all of a sudden they have yeah. 10 more in that same month and this yeah. because they they're like oh all i have to do is click buy a couple more times and then i have a bigger mm -hmm. size you know Exactly. Obviously, they, they'll also have their first $1,000, $2,000 red day. That yeah. comes with the territory. But net, it's it's going to be, they're going to be better off. So, so we it all makes me think about sports too. Like the first person under a six-minute mile, five-minute mile, and swimming too. The first people to break whatever uh, 
huge milestone barrier that no one's ever done before. And now a few years later, kids in high school are doing it. Wham. Yeah. 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 Once people know it's possible, it's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Mm -hmm. It's huge. It's really, yeah. Training is so much psychology and like any, any sort of um, profession where it's like an athlete or artist, it's so much psychology, you know, like, yeah. Any of us could pretty much do it right now. We just have to build those neural pathways and kind of get over yeah. the mental barriers and that's it, you know? That's why I don't like to think about my dollar amount in trades or or like a dollar amount daily goal specifically because I'm like, I have my process. I know that all I have to do to have this other function of my share size go up is just increase my share size and do the same thing. So I try really hard not to pay attention to that stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm mostly there with you. I for the longest time I never had a like daily profit target, and I still don't really. But right now, I'm, since I'm trying to, I'm in, in this kind of rebuilding confidence, get green, get it going kind of mindset. I do mm -hmm. have like you know once I make like let's say what if my max loss is five hundred dollars and I'm up five hundred dollars and I'm still not that consistent right now, I'll be like, okay, this is kind of my goal. Even though I totally agree with you, Danny, like I'm super against those goal profit targets of the day. I I, I don't like them. They're artificial. They have nothing to do with the stocks. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like taking profits when you're up a hundred dollars. What is that? It's what totally, that yeah, it's totally arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. It makes that a whole lot more like, sense just to like get good at trading the trade well. Yeah. That reminds me of like the people who paper trade and they, uh, mm -hmm. they'll like send it around and be like, look, I'm paper trading and I have consistency. And it's like, cool, but you're yeah. not playing the game of trading. That is not trading, bro. Like take it's a trade with concept, like, least, like but yeah, but dude, if you fucking like you take one trade, these guys, they'll take one trade with tiny size and immediately your heart's beating. And it's like, yeah. Oh my God, this is the scariest thing I've ever had to do. And it's like trading is a, it's like, when you actually are trading with real money, it is like life or death. It feels like that. And <laughs> for us, you have to just, over time, you have to realize that you're only as good as the last trade you took. And every single day, all you should be doing is looking for, you know, like you guys are taking more than one trade, but like one good trade. That's what Mike Bellafiori also always says. He's like, you know, traders that are on a high level, they don't give a shit what they're down or up or goal they don't have any goals the goal is to trade the market like it's a fucking video game and to try to distance yourself yeah. from your your point if you have a point target or a dollar amount target distance yeah. yourself as far as you possibly can away from that and then eventually you know sizing will not be an issue at all and that's what makes trading so special in terms of like you know the, this is a business that we are trying to run ourselves and this is one of the most scalable businesses probably is the most scalable business of all time because it doesn't take you buying another brick and mortar store. It doesn't take you right. having to get a new warehouse where you can have more inventory. No, you just click the button more. And obviously that takes years and years to master. But when you do master that, it's like, even my friend today, he hit me up and he was like, Hey, do you think that we're falling into this thing called the, uh, let me read it. The sunken. Yeah. He said the sunken cost fallacy. The wow. sunk cost fallacy describes our tendency to follow through an endeavor if we have wow. already invested time, effort, and money into it, whether or not the current costs outweigh the actual benefits. 
And I was like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Like if we have a, if me and Nate, that was Nate who sent me that. If me and Nate have a bad year, like we'll lose like two grand. Okay. That is fucking nothing. Like I'll lose two grand. I don't care at all. You know, like that, like I can work a whole year and lose $2,000 in trading and have a side job and that'll supplement me with money. That risk is nothing. Like that could be, you know, a month's work of fucking working at McDonald's. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. like to gain this skill is so much more than just thinking of like, you know, I don't know. Am I in the sunk cost fallacy? Fuck no, you're not. Unless you're trading with huge size and you just started and you're not even consistent yet, then yeah, you're probably going a little too hard, but. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I was, I had a thought in my head and then it just slipped my mind, but it was, it was kind of building off of what you were saying. Um, maybe it'll pop back in like a couple of seconds. Yeah, that happened to me like 10 minutes ago. I was going to say something that I knew was profound as fuck in my head. And I was like, holy shit, I need this to say this. Then it left. This is, this is it. He's gone now. Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, this yeah. is the thought. Um, any any game plans, thoughts going forward, guys, for the end of the week, end of the month, or it's not end of the month, but just mid-month kind of check-in? Just keeping my head down, trying to keep doing what I'm doing. It's working well enough. Trying to keep being specific with the trades I'm taking and the size I'm taking them with. Um, and just trying to recognize early on what kind of day we're having. Yeah, I think that's super important. Right now I'm, I'm reading the uh, book quit that I talked about uh, oh, cool. like yeah. three podcasts ago. Really mm-hmm. good. Highly recommend you guys read it, or I, I would recommend anyone reads it. Uh, she goes through some great stuff. And it's kind of like mindset you need to have to identify when you need to, you know, pull the th- go go all in, double down, or when you need to be like, mm, this is not a good time. And today was one of those days. I think I should have kept on trading longer and not limited myself. Today was one of those days you could have made a lot more money. At least Colby, <laughs> not large caps, maybe, but, <laughs> but in the small cap world. And uh, I, I just want to not try to have this like our arbitrary goal or consistency but you know if it's hot let me go aggressive if it's not hot yeah. uh let me let me wrap wrap up shop um for for like two years i was like a very consistent trader I'd like almost every day i'd be like my 500 700 uh it was really weird uh how how consistent it was almost like every month was just a little bit more profit than last month for like eight months straight but um I just have to understand like market's a little bit more volatile now. There's some days that it's not hot, some days that are really hot. And I tend to kind of notice that, but I don't tend to act on it, which is very frustrating uh, internally Mm -hmm. because I'm like, why am I not executing the way I know I should be if it's not trading or trading? Uh, For example, Friday, I should have taken off, but I didn't. And I had a red day Monday. I knew I was like, I got to lock it in. I didn't. Boom, I had a big red day today. I was like, I should have kept on trading, but I didn't. So like, I'll, I'll be doing these things where I know I should be doing the opposite. Um, so I just need to keep, keep working on that more than anything else. Uh, my own personal struggles right now, wherever they came from. Um, but yeah, that's, that's me because the market's heating up and there's opportunity. So I think about that frequently about like the break-even traders who never are able to break into profit and then actually become successful and how they sometimes just quit. And, and it's because they never learned how to really take advantage of the opportunities that are there. And I was watching the video 
that Lance did on YouTube talking about bet sizing. And um, one of the things that he said during it that I was like, hmm, that's an interesting point. He was like, one could make the argument that it would be irresponsible not to size up on the best plays that you can recognize. And that's one of the hard parts about trading that takes a lot of experience is actually recognizing those trades. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I, I was like, that kind of makes sense. If I he don't also size, always, this is irresponsible. I love that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He's always saying too, that like, we always get scared to trade like super volatile, very risky moves. And he's like, in all honesty, like those are the best, those are the best times to trade because other mm -hmm. people are scared too. And whenever you get into a trade and you feel that fear immediately, that's when you need to sit back and be like, look, I have prepared myself for this moment. I am a professional trader. Even if you're not just pretend whatever. Um, and I am the reason I'm going to stay calm while other people are freaking out. And the reason I'm making money today is because they are freaking out and they are going to make this price action move in the direction that I can predict. So it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. That's that's exactly what I was talking about in the beginning of this pod, where I was like, sometimes if I feel scared, I'm like, I need to go in. <laughs> that's yeah, exactly true. what I was true. talking yeah. about. And when I have that FOMO feeling, I'm like, walk mm -hmm. away because that's true. Actually, yeah. Yeah. that's <laughs> got to cool. pay attention to those emotions. They're telling you something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have when to. you have enough chart time, it's you're feeling those emotions because of something that you're seeing, and maybe not like consciously recognizing yet but it's happening for a reason yeah yeah it's it's not something that i was able to do three years ago but it's something i'm able to do yeah. now because of all the experience and i the more i edge into it the better i trade i really notice that just trading mm -hmm. trading how i know i'm gonna feel it's a, it's a weird thing to explain to somebody but yeah yeah <laughs> it's like what <laughs> yeah for me uh my thing that i want to do is i just want to keep remembering that uh like the number one factor for success in, in trading is like, are you able to learn? And that's pretty much it. Like mm -hmm. if you're unable to learn, you're never going to make any money. So I had a shitty week so far this week. I'm down a little bit, but I just want to keep remembering that like, no matter how many times I buy this shit and I stop out at the fucking very bottom or I short it, I stop out the very top. I'm like this much closer to being able to catch that top size into it, know why it's an A plus setup from my playbook and you know, doing all the things that we all know what it takes to be a million dollar a year trader. We just have to slowly take those tiny, tiny, tiny incremental steps to do it. Right. Totally agree. Guys, I appreciate all the insights you always share on this pod. Colby with the deep dives always and the <laughs> Lance Brinstein <laughs> <Brian> reports. <laughs> uh, yeah, hear from the man uh, himself. Go listen to him talk, not me, because I'm butchering <laughs> everything he says. But uh, no, it's good. Your 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 reports, your um, analysis on your your daily posts and stuff like that. They're so good. You you definitely yeah. probably have the the biggest deep dives that I've I've seen. Yeah. And then Danny's got the best shirt, so <laughs> <laughs> that's what we aim for. <laughs> good for something. Got the merch, man. Yeah. <laughs> all right guys then cool. have a Appreciate great rest it. of the week we'll see you guys everyone in the discord uh hopefully everyone has a strong end to the week yeah you guys too yep see you all later, right guys. see see you guys. guys ciao ciao